In the decades after World War II, China was facing rapid population growth. By the late 1970s, the country was nearing one billion people. The problem, of course, is that China at that time was still very poor. They wanted to become rich. That's our colleague Jonathan Chang. He's the bureau chief in Beijing. And so one of the things that the leadership determined was we need to have fewer people because people then were seen as a burden on society. It costs money to feed all these mouths, and it was not seen as desirable at the time. So the Communist Party made a radical move. In 1980, they implemented their one-child-only policy to curb the population and help the economy. The policy was controversial, but over the last four decades, the runaway population growth has slowed, and China did become rich. Did it solve the problems that China hoped it would? Well, you can argue that it solved the problem almost too well, because they certainly got the birth rate down to about one child per family. The problem is that now that has created a whole host of problems for the Chinese government. The economy is now experiencing the opposite issue. It's hurting because of a lack of new citizens. And so now the government is reversing course and encouraging its people to have more kids. The problem is many of them don't want to. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Monday, June 7th. Coming up on the show, China's one-child policy, its unintended consequences, and why the country is reversing course. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. In the early days of communist rule, China's leader, Mao Zedong, considered the large population as a resource that could help build the country. But after Mao's death, the view changed. The large population was seen as a burden, a drain that would deplete the country's resources, cause famine, and get in the way of growth. China's response was its one-child policy. What did China think would happen when it instituted this policy? I think it was seen that it would unencumber China in a certain sense to allow it to invest more in a smaller pool of people who could get further and that it would bring more social stability, that you wouldn't have the chaos and the sort of disorder that comes with uncontrolled population growth. And I think that was sort of the concern that in the absence of a strong policy that things may go in in a bad direction. China created a family planning agency to enforce the one-child rule. And for families that broke the rule, there could be steep consequences. There were even reports of forced abortions and sterilizations. And if a family did have a second child, unless they paid a large fine, it was the child that paid the price. That child would basically be denied all of the social benefits that come with being, you know, a citizen. I mean, not every right would be gone, but you would lose a lot of privileges. 
First of all, they couldn't be born in a public hospital, for one thing. For another, they would not get certain residency rights that would basically make it more difficult for them, uh, impossible, I think, to attend university and, and things like that, that would basically really hamstring opportunity for that second child. And of course, the intention was to make a mother and a father think twice before having that additional child. How did it change the social fabric of China? Well, I mean, the simplest answer is the words brother, sister, uh, you know, didn't disappear from the vocabulary. Um, it evolved in a certain way. Um, people of the post-one-child generation will talk about their brothers and sisters, but what they usually will mean is they refer to their cousins as brothers and sisters. The other thing it's done to the fabric of society is that you now have this inverted pyramid where you have a whole generation of single children that, presuming everyone's still alive, has two parents and four grandparents. And that has several consequences. The first is that these children came to be known as little princes, little princesses, because you had six adults who had put all of their hopes, all of their dreams on one child. And all of a sudden you have one breadwinner who not only needs to support his or her spouse and whatever whatever children they have, but also two parents and also um, four grandparents. This inverted population pyramid created a big economic challenge. The country now has so many older people who need to be supported and not as many young people who can carry the burden. Another unintended consequence is that the country has way more men now than women. That's because if parents could only have one child, many of them wanted that child to be a boy. So a lot of girls were put up for adoption or abandoned. And some parents even had abortions when they found out they were having a girl. Which means that today, there are tens of millions more men in China than women. But for the girls that families did keep, they were given more opportunities than ever before. If you're not going to break the law, if you're only going to have one child, if you're not going to try and find a way to get a boy, and you do have a girl... You're going to love that girl and you're going to invest in that girl. And so girls have been invested in to a degree that wasn't true, arguably, in the past. And so daughters, girls, women are growing up with a level of educational attainment and aspiration that just wasn't possible a generation or two earlier. As a country becomes more prosperous, as women enter the workforce in greater numbers, as they have their own careers to worry about and to think about, childbearing falls quickly down the list of priorities. Um, It's not universally true, there are exceptions everywhere, but as a general trend, that's what China has seen as well. The policy and its enforcement succeeded in reigning in China's population growth. By the 1990s, most families were only having one kid. And Chinese society adopted a one-child state of mind. The irony now is that's precisely the mindset that they want to get rid of again. So they've succeeded, arguably they've succeeded beyond their wildest dreams in a certain sense. The problem is that it took them this long, and by the time they got there, the circumstances had changed so much that what they had first wanted was no longer desirable. And so, in 2013, China slowly started lifting the policy. And by 2016, all couples were allowed to have two kids. And what was the impact of that new policy? Did people immediately start having two kids? 
Well, there were stories at the time, quoting mothers who had long wanted to have a second child, who um, were happy to take advantage of that. We did see a baby bump in the numbers. There's a little blip there on the line graph, if you look at it. I don't think it was as much as Chinese policymakers had hoped. It was not as much as some demographers had predicted. Allowing citizens to have two kids didn't do enough to lift the economy. And so now, China is raising the limit again. But it might be too little too late. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Canva. It's time to ditch your old presentation programs at work and try Canva presentations instead. It'll help you create stunning slides in no time. No design experience needed. Just start with one of the designer-made templates or generate something in seconds with AI. Then polish it up and get ready to wow your audience. It's that easy. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com journal terms and conditions apply for the last decade china's inverted population pyramid having too many old people and not enough young people has created a big economic challenge, and raising the child limit from one to two didn't solve the problem. So, last week, the country announced it would go a step further. In a major policy shift, China on Monday said it will now allow married couples to have three children, up from its existing limit of two. This comes off the back of the country recording a dramatic decline in births. I think the difference maker was probably just the numbers and what the numbers told us about where the birth rate was going. There are demographers in China, of course, but you don't need to have a PhD in this to look at the charts and to see the way that things were going. How big of a deal is this announcement to go up to three children? Well, I think there were many different reactions. Um, As there were last time, you had families who had two children who wanted a third. And Beijing, you can bet, is counting on these people to be a large number and to act on that. Now, of course, we've quoted in our stories a woman who's 45 who said, I would have loved to have had a third child, but I'm 45. It's not going to happen. Nowadays, young people have to buy a house, and this amount of pressure is already huge. And then you have to consider the cost of education. I think this sort of policy will be difficult to implement. I think the country should have published this policy earlier. Couples like us have missed the time that we could have another child. But for a lot of people who grew up as only children themselves, the idea of having more than one kid isn't appealing. That was the main stream of reaction when the announcement first came out. This comment that went viral, which basically said, it's not because I'm not allowed that I don't buy three Rolls Royces. It's because I don't have the money to buy three Rolls Royces. I'd love to have three Rolls Royces, but where's the money going to come from? And of course, um, because not only has a whole generation of Chinese 
childbearing age families had the mindset set in that having more than one child is undesirable and having put all of their hopes and dreams and their investments into their single children, are they then going to have more than one child but continue to invest at that same rate in their child? Jonathan says that more than 30 years of the one-child policy has also fundamentally changed the culture in China. After all these years of doing a strict one-child policy that was sometimes brutally enforced, that mindset was going to set in. That I mean, you walk around China, many of them are now faded, but you can still see the propaganda slogans in villages painted on walls that say, one child is enough. So it really takes massive shift in mindset that needs to undo everything that the Communist Party spent four decades trying to inculcate. Is the Chinese government trying to do anything to encourage people to have more children aside from just lifting the cap? Well, that was one thing that people pointed out in this announcement. In addition to lifting the cap to three children, they did also say, we're going to deal with the costs of childbearing, of child rearing, of education, of all the things that come along with having a child. And we don't know what what those specifics are. We haven't seen those policies yet. My guess is that Beijing hasn't quite figured out exactly how they're going to do it. What do you think will happen if China can't get the birth rate up? What impact do you think that will have on its economy? Part of the consequence of not being able to reverse the decline in the birth rate is a lot of economists would argue economic stagnation, that you end up having a burden that becomes too heavy in the form of retirees without a working age population to support them and build on what's there and to fuel more economic growth. There have been concerns that the cost of caring for the elderly in China is going to become so crushing as to be a massive drain on the economy and in so doing um, hold back China from, for example, overtaking the U.S. as the world's largest economy, as many economists now expect China to do. That may not happen, or if it happens, it may not last. One way China could help alleviate its population problem is through immigration. We know that in the U.S., the natural birth rate of U.S. citizens actually has long been below the replacement rate of 2.1. How does America continue to replenish itself? Well, it does so through immigration. So that's an open question. Is China willing to open itself up to immigration in a big way? So far, that voice hasn't been raised in the debate to a great extent. What do you think is more difficult for China mandating that people can only have one child or trying to get them to have two or three? I think we're about to find out. And I think we're about to find out that it's going to be harder to encourage people to have more children. You can stop someone from having more children. It's arguably cruel. It's arguably difficult. But you can imagine how it can be done. And in fact, China's been doing it. What we haven't seen yet is the playbook for how you meaningfully reverse a decline in birth rate. I don't know that we've seen, in our modern age anyways, um, any country around the world that has succeeded in doing this. So 
can China defy that pattern? It's possible. China has, as I've mentioned, a different system of government. They can, they can be more coercive than some of these other governments. But can you coerce them to have more children? To me, it, 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 that doesn't look so easy. That's all for today, Monday, June 7th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Leon Chi and Keith Jai for their reporting in this story. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.